Hi there. Welcome back, Health Bite Podcasters. It's Dr. Adrian, your host of Health Bite, the podcast created to provide you with small, actionable bites towards better mental, physical, and emotional well being. Welcome back this week. This week is Valentine's Week, the day of love. And I have to say, I've never been one to get in on the hype of Valentine's Day. In fact, back in college, I would always tell my boyfriend, now husband, Dr. T, not to get me flowers, or at least that he should wait until the day after Valentine's Day. At least that way they would be half off, right? But really, I prefer the recent shift where the focus on Valentine's Day has been on ourselves, on self-love as opposed to romantic love. This episode is sponsored by Del Bar. Del Bar by Del Nutrition is a high protein, low calorie bar created with clean nutrients to support you in healthy weight, health, and well being. My patients love these bars, and I would love to share them with you. So if you go to dellnutrition.com and sign up for our newsletter there, I will send you our top selling flavors for free now through the end of the month. I hope it will serve you and it will be of benefit. I used to think self-love was this self-indulgent thing that yogis did, but I've come around. I've come around to being okay with the term self-love and I've come around to learn of its value. If you look up self-love in the dictionary and by that, I mean, Google it as I did. It defines self-love as, quote, a regard for one's own well-being and happiness. Regard for one's own well-being and happiness. So nothing wrong with that, right? What's wrong with having regard for your own well-being and happiness? In fact, when we have regard for our happiness and well-being, presumably, we are happier, or at least more at ease. And when we are happier and more at ease, then we become more patient and more tolerant of each other. So you could argue that practicing self-love is actually an act of kindness, not only to yourself, but also to others. You could also argue that self-love is precisely what we need to get ourselves out of this divisive funk, but still it's hard to know how to make the concept of self-love practical. So in today's podcast, I want to break it down, break down how I perceive self-love and hopefully give you some actionable tips on how to practice it on your own. So first step for me is self-acceptance. So self-acceptance is the ability to accept ourselves fully as we are in this very moment, no strings attached. Self-acceptance to me is really the epitome of self-love because it's unconditional, unconditional love towards ourselves. It's not based on doing or achieving or being anything other than who you are right now. 
Self-acceptance does not say I will accept myself when I lose 20 pounds or I will accept myself when I get a raise or a promotion or a girlfriend or a Corvette (laughs) or when I can afford those things. Self-acceptance is not contingent on anything. It is not contingent on any stipulation. Self-acceptance is acceptance as we are for who we are right now, period. And honestly, I can't think of anything that is more self-loving than that. So the second aspect of self-love, which is kind of related in my mind, is self-compassion. Self-compassion is the ability to offer ourselves kindness and understanding, particularly in our moments of imperfection. So it's really the ability to be non-judgmental during difficulties, situational difficulties, such as in our weaknesses, failings, shortcomings, mistakes, all those things that we shirk and shrink away from, but are totally human, right? Self-compassion is based on the understanding that these limitations are normal and human, and therefore they should be met with a touch of kindness. If you think about it, most of us have zero trouble offering this kind of compassion to others, our partners, our children, our coworkers, our friends, even our pets. Imagine a scenario. Imagine a young child in your life. Maybe it's your own child. Maybe it's a niece or nephew. Maybe it's a stranger's child or some child you saw on the street. Just hold an image of a child in mind. Now, imagine that child is running in the park with an ice cream cone. She's laughing and skipping and carefree. Imagine that in that moment of unadulterated joy, that child trips over a rock. She falls into the sand and drops her ice cream. Imagine this youngster getting up quickly, looking around her, both sad and ashamed and embarrassed. How would you respond to this child? How would you respond to her in this moment of setback or this mistake or this accident? Would you tell her that she was stupid to have run with an ice cream cone? (laughs) Would you make her feel more hurt, pain, shame, embarrassment? I hope not. I don't think so. I don't think you would disparage her. Probably you would offer her compassion. You would offer her kindness. You would say, that's okay, honey. It happens. It was a mistake. It was an accident. That's what most of us would do. But When we make a mistake ourselves, we judge ourselves, we chastise ourselves, we engage in negative and disparaging self-talk. Not only is this harmful to our psyche, making us anxious and depressed, but it's also damaging to our goals. Oftentimes when we judge ourselves, it's with respect to our goals, whether it's weight loss goals, which is something that we often talk about on this podcast. But, you know, some kind of goal that we've set for ourselves, self-improvement or otherwise. And 
when we judge ourselves in our moments of setback or limitation, we are much more likely to self-sabotage and get in the way of our own success. And in fact, the research supports this fact. It supports the fact that when people are unable to meet themselves with kindness in these moments, that they are more likely to throw in the towel because they're really too busy fighting themselves. And self-compassion practices as a result are becoming a frequent component of successful habit change activities. So next time you engage in some kind of change or engage in a hope to to make some change in yourself, make a commitment to self-compassion along the way. Recognize that your inability to be perfect, which is human, by the way, does not make you unworthy or a failure. It makes you human. And when you have those mistakes or setbacks, which invariably you will, have compassion for yourself, for your humanity. Note the common humanity of it all, because we are all in it together. None of us are perfect as much as we would wish and hope to be so. Have compassion for yourself. Have kindness for yourself. Dust yourself off and move forward. And the final aspect of self-love in my mind, which is probably the most actionable, and again, I always strive to offer actionable health bites here, is that of self-care. So self-care is a major buzzword these days, but what does it really mean? Self-care might be considered a massage, a night out with friends, or indulging in your favorite comfort food. And while all of these are fun, relaxing, and even necessary, they don't really represent true self-care and they don't really replace true self-care. And keep in mind that it is not indulgent to practice self-care and it's not necessarily relaxing either. In fact, self-care takes work. It takes effort. It does require work to do the right thing for ourselves. So here are my personal top four self-care practices. Number one, nourishing your body with good food. I'm pretty sure I don't need to go into details here, but basically make time for good food. Take time to keep your home stocked with fresh foods, whole foods, Make time to cook or at least meal prep. Nobody is expecting you to be Martha Stewart here and spend your whole day in the kitchen. This does not have to be super time consuming, but it does have to be intentional. It does require preparation and planning. And in essence, it requires intention. So start small, start making some little changes to set up an environment for success. And consider removing the temptations. The food delivery apps are a really good example. Removing them from your phone might make it easier to make better choices. And actually, that's one of the little hacks that I share with my patients. It sounds silly, but it works. Take DoorDash and Uber Eats 
no offense to those thriving companies, but delete them off your phone and see what happens and nourish your body with wholesome food. That is an act of self-care and it is an act of love towards yourself. Number two is movement. I say movement, not exercise, because exercise is often considered punishment and it's met with resistance. That's not to say that movement still is not intentional or even exertional, but it may help you to hold it differently in mind. The word movement may also be more aligned with a sentiment of self-love and self-care. So it's easier to kind of swallow it in that vein because moving your body is a form of caring for your body. And if you can really dial into a practice that you enjoy, even that exertion can feel good in your body. So find a practice you can enjoy, walking through the hills or stretching or yoga, or maybe even consider something that intimidates you or feels above reach. And as you're doing this activity, huffing and puffing, remind yourself that that too is self-care. And do a little happy dance while you're at it. Number three is sleep. And sleep might be the most overlooked kind of self-care. People wrongly think that sleep is just idle work. But in fact, your body is busy working while you sleep. Busy restoring your mind, filing away moments and memories, reorganizing brain cells, activating your brain's lymphatic system. This is the waste clearing system that clears out and removes all the waste and excess from your central nervous system. And by doing this, sleep prepares your brain for a new start and a new day. Not to mention good quantity and good quality sleep also reduces irritability, depression, anxiety. It's been shown scientifically to promote healthy mood and well-being, not to mention all the benefits to your metabolic health, your immune system, amongst other positive benefits of good sleep. I've actually recorded several podcasts of sleep or on sleep, including an interview I did sleep expert, Dr. Nishi Bhopal, and another episode where I refer to sleep as a vitamin. I mean, it is so vital and nourishing that I call it a vitamin. We'll link those uh, episodes in the show notes below. Finally, care for yourself by engaging in time for quiet and meditation. I used to recommend mindfulness meditation to everyone I saw in my medical practice, but that's not everyone's jam. And honestly, there are many ways to get yourself to slow down and create the space for quiet and introspection. So now I just recommend a meditative practice. Maybe that's meditating, or maybe it's a breathing practice. Maybe it's just journaling, coloring, or painting, or another creative pursuit. Actually, in my book, Hungry for More, the chapter Hungry for Creativity talks about the science behind coloring. And it's fascinating how something so 
trivial actually has significant benefits to helping people reduce their sympathetic drive. So coloring literally dials down your sympathetic nervous system. It's incredible. I don't know if any of you have colored with recently with a young child. It's fun to do it with a kid because you get to see it through their eyes and their perspective. And just notice that that creative activity, that repetitive activity of coloring actually is a soothing practice. It's a mindfulness practice. And data has shown that it has all these benefits, including to reducing the sympathetic nervous system's output. It actually enhances memory and um, learning and reduces the risk of dementia. Kind of crazy. But something that takes you out of running and doing and brings you into just being, you'll be surprised by how much of a caring act this can be for oneself. And of course, before we end, we need to talk about the number one barrier to doing all of this work. So, well, the number one barrier is really buy-in. Sometimes it's hard for people to swallow the concept of self-love and self-care. But let's say I've convinced you of that sufficiently in the last few minutes, and you're all game to get your self-love practice on. But the number one barrier then that will arise is time, lack of time, or our perceived lack of time, because really it is a perception. Time is a commodity. It is our most precious resource. And yet we have such a hard time expending it on ourselves. Even the busiest people, however, will find time, rather they'll make time for something else or someone else when needed. Think about it. You could be completely swamped and strapped for time. Then all of a sudden, an unexpected work project or emergency, work emergency happens, or a friend calls you and needs something, or one of your kids needs a ride somewhere, whatever. And guess who all of a sudden has time to do all of these things? Not to say that these unexpected happenings are not important and that we shouldn't help others or care for other people, but when we consistently dismiss ourselves in the service of other people and other things, no matter how noble or important, we will never set the boundaries that makes us a priority. We will never find that time. Something or someone will consistently take precedence over our own well being. So, yes, self love also means finding the time, or rather, making the time for our own care. Self love means valuing ourselves enough, knowing we are worthy so that we appropriate the time necessary required for our own care. So here's to loving yourself this Valentine's Day and go buy yourself some flowers too on Valentine's Day, not the day after when they go on sale. 
Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a great day of love for others and for yourself. If you've loved this episode, please like, subscribe, and share. No, really, share it with someone you care about. And if the content of this podcast made you feel good, there's a lot more where that came from. My book, Hungry for More, is literally my love letter to you. You can find it on my website at dradrianudeem.com or on Amazon where you can find everything. So be well this week. Have a wonderful Valentine's Day. And I look forward to seeing you again next week. Cheers.